Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Ports and I'm with you on a snowy and cold um Really cold, frigid day in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Man, I'm happy to be here. It's been almost two years since I've been in Canada. And happy to have our guest with us, uh, Jess Vimoto of BlueJackets.com. Boots, how are we doing? Much like you, I am uh, enjoying the frigid weather. <laughs> um, it was quite a change from, first of all, I believe it's in like the 60s in Ohio. So it is 58, it, my wife told me. Yeah, it's hard to believe what a difference it makes. And it's also hard to believe what a difference it makes from Vancouver to Alberta, um, mm-hmm. Edmonton mm-hmm. in particular. But I mean, it is cold here. It is somewhat beautiful because of the snow and everything going on. But I uh, I was not prepared quite yet for negative degrees that we are experiencing at the moment. Right. And then the wind blows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, you know what? It's great to be in the in the spot of of this globe where hockey is just so so intensely followed. Um, pretty much everybody you sit next to on a plane, you can have a hell of a hockey conversation with, as I did uh, this morning. And lots going on across the league. Not some of it good. This is one story I can't wait to be put to bed. Um, but it's raging again. Just uh, about COVID across the league. It is. It is, um, there's just been an explosion of COVID cases here the last few days. One assumes or hopes not, but assumes that they're going to continue. The Blue Jackets game Saturday in Calgary has been postponed. So the Blue Jackets are going to head home after Thursday's game versus Edmonton. And they're going to get back into Columbus. And then they're going to travel to Buffalo from there, one assumes, on Sunday to finish the road trip. Um, my understanding is that the Blue Jackets will have to finish, will have to play that game in Calgary at some point this season. So uh, I'll look at their schedule and see if there are some obvious times. Maybe they just come to Calgary for a one-off. Um, maybe it's when they go out west to California. Maybe it's when they go to Winnipeg. But at some point, or maybe it's going to be an entirely reshuffled uh, calendar because maybe the Olympics don't happen. Um, so curious to see how they'll make up this postponement, and maybe there will be more. But Jeff, it's getting it's it's feeling ominous out there, almost as like it did a couple of years ago. And ironic too, because the Blue Jackets were in Vancouver, uh, sort of when this exploded uh, initially, and flew home from there. That's when the world kind of changed. Um, what's it feel like to you? And it's just I'm unsettled. I don't know. I don't know where you come in on this. 
that is the craziest part to me is that it happened again while we were in Vancouver because it, it felt eerily similar to the last time that this happened, obviously in March of 2020, as you just said, where the Jackets played that game against the Canucks and everyone kind of knew that coronavirus was a thing, but we had no idea what was in store for us for the coming 20 months, both as a society and as a national hockey league. And so um, it is what it is. Uh, I don't think anybody was quite prepared um, for what took place this week where just a number of cases exploded and, you know, whether it's the variant at play or whatever is going on, you know, you, you had a couple cases early in the season, but it it didn't feel like it was spreading like wildfire. And now if you look around at the number of teams that are on pauses or are dealing with not just one player that uh, has a COVID situation, but multiple players and staff members. And and as it just goes on and on, uh, it, it does feel like no one quite knows exactly where this is going just from the aspect of, and, and we've known this for, again, 20 months, is you, you can't control the virus. Uh, <clears throat> you can do what you want and say what you want and have protocols in place and things like that. But um, at the end of the day, the virus has a lot more control of the situation than you would like to admit, I think you would say. And so I think you just have to deal with the punches as they've, they've come along. Um, the, you know, the Blue Jackets have been lucky, not just this year, but even going into last year, that they've uh-huh. really had a massive situation, not had a situation where a lot of games have had to be canceled. Uh, on their end, as this happened around the league. And so Brad Larson said it a number of times, you know, at the start of the season, uh, even throughout last year, John Tortorella said it, and Lars has said it again. Here in the last couple of weeks, the last couple of days, is that you just, you, you have to roll with the punches. There's no, uh, as much as you may want it to be one way, uh, it's not. It's yeah. it, The reality is the reality. And all you can do is just handle what's thrown at you. So um, I guess that's the challenge right now, even as we all sit here and kind of look around and go, uh, what's going on and, and why is this kind of taking off the way it's taking off? But uh, you just have to, you know, try to be smart and try to handle it as best you can and, and just see what the next day, not even the next day, the next hour brings you and, and go from there. Yes. And last night, late first period, uh, Vancouver defenseman Tucker Pullman removed from the game uh, because his PCR test came back positive. And I mean, wow. So you're talking, yeah, I think he played five and a half minutes, maybe eight shifts, seven shifts. Um, think of the people he ran into in those, in those shifts and how communicable this disease, especially this variant of it, if it's the Omicron that he has, uh, is spreading. It's, um, it's worrisome. The league is doing the best that it can. Uh, but to your point, I think Nashville lost. 12 guys, six players, six staffers. There are teams with players stuck in two different cities. I think Carolina might have guys in two different cities, not to mention their the crux of their club with them. As it stands, it it is it's um yeah, it's uh man, is it wild. And as all of this is happening in real time, I'm almost hearing in Jim Morrow voice the the uh, playoffs, famous playoffs quote. Jim Morris saying in my ear, Olympics, Olympics. You think you're going to go to the Olympics after this? I, that just seems like everybody wants it to happen, but you get the sense anybody really expects it to at this point. It would be hard to believe uh, that anybody kind of expects it to at this point. And and I mean, nobody from a player perspective is tends to, seems to be saying it out loud. Um, But just, you you can kind of read between the lines with, and we've only talked, I know you had, um, asked uh, Jakob Voracek about this the other day. And I mean, he admitted he's concerned. Uh, you're yeah. hearing the same thing from people around the league, the the Connor McDavid's and Austin Matthews and things like that. And, and everybody wants it to happen. 
uh, you know, everybody missed it four years ago, um, you know, when the NHL was not at the Olympics and the hockey tournament just did not have the same gusto. And these guys want to play for their country. And it's awesome theater. I mean, we all remember. I remember watching the 2010 gold medal game that between the United States and Canada. And like I was at work uh, at a previous job and like the entire office came to a standstill. We all just crammed around this little television and watched the game because it was incredible theater and, and everyone wanted to see how it went. And uh, not even the non-hockey fans. And so it's it's the one of the biggest entry points into our sport, I think, uh, for just a casual fan. And so, you know, you add that into the fact that players want to represent their countries and no one wants to say we don't, you know, we can't do this right now. But it's just it is just hard to imagine between the, the quarantine rules being what they are and the logistics and everything that's going into it. It's just, it, you know, when they made these plans and, and agreed to do this, we were in a very different world, it feels like. Absolutely. And right now, and, and the other thing, too, is we can't predict what is the Olympics, I think, February, two months from now. You know, maybe it's a much better situation from now, but you have no idea. And so you have to make the decisions you have with the best available insight and information that you have. And it just seems like there's just so many hurdles to get over at this point because of everything that's happening. And it's really coming into focus over these last couple of days with just how quickly you're starting to see guys hit the protocol list. And so it would be an unfortunate situation, um, obviously, for the players because they want to go. And it would be unfortunate for the league because you built in a three-week break that you have no idea what you can even do during those three weeks now, even if you don't go to the Olympics, because between building availabilities and, um, you know, travel logistics and things like that, and who knows what the border situation is going to be, et cetera, et cetera, you know, this is not a very mobile ship when it comes to, okay, we're not going to the Olympics. Can we get the regular right. season back underway? And so it's, it's an unfortunate situation because everyone wants to do it, but it does seem like there's an awful lot of hurdles out there at the moment that are going to be pretty, pretty hard to clear unless something dramatically improves over these next couple, I mean, not even really weeks, but days. Yeah. And the league's got until January 10th to, to decide uh, if, if they're, if they want to pull out of the Olympics, they have, so it's almost a month to go. As we've seen in this, a lot can change in the, the course of a month. Um, but yeah, ominous. And, and the sense I got from Forecheck and from others is that both sides kind of would like the other person to make the call. Uh, so that they're not the bad guy. I think really, it, it it's like two people want to cancel a, a dinner date, but nobody wants the one. <laughs> nobody wants to be the one to pull the shoot. Um, yeah. And they're both they're both kind of thinking it'd be kind of nice to get out of. Um, you just wonder if they can come together on that because I, I want to see it. Everybody wants to see it. Of course, I. Of course, you want to see Canada U.S. play. Of course, you want to see Russia Canada play. Hell yeah. Um, but it just seems more and more unlikely. And it doesn't help that it's on the other side of the world. Um, God, players to be stuck there at the end of at the end of the Olympics and not be able to get back in time for the season to restart. And just to be a, away from their worlds that long is just doesn't seem doesn't seem right. Wings for the game, boom, cash back. New lucky jersey, boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking a W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game-changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC.
Um, the Blue Jackets, uh, rough one last night in Vancouver. Really not all that different from the game three nights earlier in Seattle, except they won in overtime. They they somehow pulled the game in Seattle out of the wreckage with the Jake Bean overtime goal, but they collapsed there too. Uh, Tuesday in Vancouver, they collapsed and there was no hero. They they went all the way and, and lost 4-3 to three in overtime. And this is starting to get worrisome because it's not <clears> – <throat> I think most people assume that the Blue Jackets were going to have some losses this year and have some tough stretches, sure. There seems to be a recurring theme here, that it's, and it's not a flattering look, that this team can, this team can come undone. They, they, can, they can unravel in their own zone. Um, I've tried to describe it three or four different ways and different times. Right. It's, man, it's hard to get your arms around the little stuff that turns into big stuff and the big stuff that just turns into a nightmare finish. What are you seeing when you see these guys in their own zone? Looked great, Jeff, in the first period. They looked fantastic in the first period Tuesday, one of their better periods of the year. And then by the end of it, it just looks like nobody wants the puck. They can't get rid of it quick enough. There's uncertainty in everything they do. They don't believe their eyes. It, it gets so bad, they don't believe what they're seeing. Um, tell me what you're seeing as you watch all of this play out from up above. Yeah, I think kind of what you said at the end there is something that does stand out to me is, is sort of the uncertainty that they have with the puck. Is that, you know, the, the first period of that game last night against Vancouver, uh, everything was certain. Everything was fast. Everything went north. Um, and it obviously led to three goals and, uh, you know, whether Vancouver was caught napping or whatever the situation might've been on the other side, the blue jackets looked really good. They looked decisive and they looked fast and they looked like they had the jump and things like that. And then, you know, I wrote, I read what you wrote this morning, uh, in your recap about how it feels almost psychological at this point. And it, it yeah. did feel that way that once the boulder started rolling downhill and Vancouver started having the puck, uh, the blue jackets would kind of be like a little bit tentative in their decision-making, whether it be with the puck or away from the puck. Uh, just a little bit of, you know, maybe it's weird because like it's, it almost feels like you do the opposite thing of what needs to be done in this situation where you get the puck and you have time and you don't think you have time and you just make a quick play and you give it away and the other team comes back at you. And so then the next guy gets the puck and is like, I just saw what happened last time. And so I'm going to try to be patient. And then you be patient and then they, you know, you are too patient. You didn't have the time and you didn't have the space and the other team takes advantage of that and is able to create something, you know, create a turnover that way or something like that. It just feels like, um, you know, it's just so tough to put your finger on it. And hockey is such a, a fast paced game of split second oh, yeah. decisions that, you know, it, it, this, anytime you overthink it, or if you think go, you need to go one way and you actually have to go the other way, um, it ends up looking really bad and going pretty bad for you. And so, it's such a tough thing to work your way out of because it does feel a little bit mental right now. Um, and it's not like they've had like 10 games this year where they've blown leads. I mean, they, they've lost some leads, but they haven't necessarily been, you know, the give up three goals in a row variety. I mean, they did it in Vegas that, you know, they did it in Seattle, did it here in Vancouver, but this is sort of a relatively new problem that has kind of popped up. Um, and maybe that's just part and parcel of having a young team. You know, again, you are the youngest team in the NHL. You're very young on the blue line, um, whether it be age-wise or games-wise. I mean, if you think about it, 
you know, just going, you know, Jake Bean has not played a ton of NHL games. Uh, Adam Boquist has not played a ton of NHL games. Gavin Bayreuther, uh, Gabriel Carl. I'm naming literally the entire team at this point. Um, it's pretty much, I believe, an under right around 100 NHL games or lower. So um, it, it's one of those things that maybe you learn with age and maybe you learn with time. You know, there's a bunch of those guys up front as well. And is that an excuse? I guess you could say it is a little bit, but there's a certain amount of truth to it as well. So it's probably one of those things where you it, there's so many variables that go into it. And they all kind of coalesce into this, like, oh, my God, what do we do type scenario um, that I mean, they're going to have to figure it out because you keep going through these situations and it's not fun. It's not fun to watch for the fans. And it's certainly not fun for them to live through because it does feel like, oh, my God, here we go again. And it's, right. it's a mental hurdle you have to kind of get over eventually. Um, and if you don't, it's just never going to be fun. And so I, I wish I had better answers. I, you know, as a coach, you know, if I'm Brad Larson. You know, I think there's probably some execution issues to it. There's probably X's and O's, but there's also probably a lot of other things going on in their heads to where they need to see themselves have some success in these situations or else, you know, they're going to keep happening. But how do you get to success when every time you're in that situation, the same thing happens? And so yeah. I, I I don't know. I mean, I've, I've talked for a while here and I don't think I know. I don't necessarily <laughs> think I said anything intelligent or shed any light on the situation because it's just one of those things that maybe you can't explain it until... Uh, you figure it out. And, and one thing you said last night is I'll try to keep talking unintelligently is there is, you know, the veteran presence here is still being developed. Uh, you know, the captain of this team is in his first year as a captain. All three alternate captains are in their first year as alternate captains. The oldest player on the team is Jake Voracek. He's played a lot of NHL games, but he's in his first year with these guys after coming back from Philadelphia. There really doesn't necessarily seem to be someone you can turn to to say, okay, let's put this group out there. And they'll grab a hold of the game and settle right. it down because everybody's so new in those situations. And so, you know, maybe maybe Occam's razor is the answer here, which is that they just have to keep playing through them and live through them and learn how to do it. And it's not going to be fun until they get there. But uh, in the meantime, it's just the reality of the situation they're in. So hopefully I said something smart in that rambling answer, but that, that kind of is the situation we're in. Yeah, well, I, it, you felt for Larson a little bit last night because he's on the bench and you're I'm just looking down. up. It's great seats in Vancouver, by the way, right? And and you're yeah, looking absolutely. down, and I'm like, yeah. God, who did, who does he turn to? Like, like for a while, it was the Corrali Robinson line in previous games like this. But l last night, I don't know if you noticed, and I'm not laughing at him or making fun of him, but through two periods, Sean Corrali, this is almost an incredible stat, was 0 for 12 on the faceoff dot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that is incredible, and I say that it's incredible because he's such a good faceoff guy. Right. And he was much better in the third period. But, you know, it's hard to send that line out when you can't win a faceoff because now you're starting without the puck. Um, now there's no way out of your zone if you don't start with the puck. And the other, the other lines were, were much better on the faceoff dot, but they weren't exactly moving it. And it's not just the lines, it's everybody together. They weren't exactly moving it cohesively and quickly up. I think it's moving the feet. I think the feet are the first thing that stop when you get nervous. I think... I think guys, I think it, like you said, it in one shift, it's like we got to be quicker, we got to be quicker, we got to push it. And then that leads to a forced turnover. And then the next shift, it's like, all right, everybody calm down. And then you're a little too slow. It's like it, it, you put so much more into the recipe that needs to be there. Whereas in the first, you're just playing. And in the first, the soft, the soft toss up the the wall from deep in your own zone is going right on the stick plate and being skated out. And in the third, it's a little too firm 
and it goes past the Blue Jackets player, and now the Canucks have it again, and totally unforced turnover. There were just a million of those. And it works the other way, too. Vancouver, team, they, they start sniffing blood. Columbus has done this, too, when they're forechecking another team into oblivion. You, you smell blood, and it, it becomes a feeding frenzy. Um, I, I thought Larson was right, too, that they, they, there were times last night, and I find myself doing this more and more, um, where a guy meets and a Blue Jackets player will meet a Canuck at the puck, and it's like hit him. Like, where is the where's the contact in of this contact sport? It's not. They're not a. They weren't a hard team to play against. They want to be at minimum annoying, and I I don't think they got to even annoying last night. They just became very 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 passive. And it's almost like they began protecting the three nothing lead in the second period, which is is not a good look, and it's never going to benefit you. But I also feel like these kind of losses get demoralizing. And now it's on film. Now the league has seen it. Every time it happens, or becomes a more of a track record in your own brain that this can happen and has happened. And other teams across the league now recognize it, and you better believe it shows up in the scouting report. So it. This is, I think it's been a few weeks since they've started having these fits. And it may have been the first game against Vancouver at home where we really saw it, if, if you remember. That, that's the game where they, they got outplayed in that game, too. They just could not get going in that game, somehow won 4 to 2, but they spent long stretches in their own zone. Um, yeah, they're only going to, they're only going to see more of it. You wonder if there's going to be lineup changes. There's not much Brad Larson can do. Um, but Jeff, one thing that's been irritating me, or at least raising my eyebrow, is is young Igor Ginikov. Um, I'm not sure he's the answer to what happened last night. Uh, if I may be a little tough, I'm fairly sure he's not the answer to what happened last night. But I still feel like he should have been out there. And the one thing they said they weren't going to do to Chinikov is the thing they're doing to Chinikov now. I'm willing to listen to the other side of this as well. It's been five games since he's been scratched. I think we're getting a little short-sighted here. I think it's one thing for fans to lose sight of what this season is and say uh, when a win tonight is, is much needed. This is about tonight. This is about this road trip. I think I think the people in charge of this have to keep a really long view on this. And I feel like Chinikov needs to be playing and whether that's in Columbus or in Cleveland and making mistakes and, and learning how to get through mistakes. I just, I don't like him sitting in the press box uh, five games in a row. It doesn't seem beneficial to me in any way. Yeah, yeah. Obviously you hit on a couple of things there and it is interesting what you said, like, is there, you know, when it comes to lineup changes, do you go, to how, you know, what kind of lineup changes can you make? Well, the three Blue Jacket scratches right now are a 20-year-old rookie, um, a 22-year-old Emil Bemstrom, um, and a, another rookie, Jake Christensen, who has not played an NHL game. So it's not like there's a veteran. You, your veteran presence is in the game right now. You're playing, yeah. um, you're playing Justin Danforce and Gregory Hoffmans and, you know, even going down the line further with some of these guys that are – Supposed to be, you know, even though those guys are NHL rookies, you know, they played a lot of hockey in their lives. And so, you know, you've, you've got the veteran lineup basically out there. You're about as veteran as you're going to get in a season. 
um, for this team. And it's still not tremendously veteran, but you are about as experienced as you're going to get. And so, yeah, it makes it think you that the answer is not necessarily right there um, when it comes to changing up the lineup uh, for this specific problem. Um, but then that gets into the bigger issue of what do you do with these guys? Because it is not helping you, you, Emil Bemstrom to be sitting here and not have played an NHL game this year. Um, it's probably not helping, you know, Jake Christensen is so happy to be here because it's only been a couple of days, but um, he's a guy at the end of the day that uh, at some point he's got to play some games. And you could say the same of, of Igor Chinikov, um, obviously as well, which has become a pretty big sticking point because it is the kind of thing that they did say was not going to happen. And I do think there is a little bit of, you know, with, with being across the border right now, um, it, you know, it's not you know, the sending up, sending down is a little bit more difficult and you never know if you're going to, you know, need a guy in a pinch. Um, especially with what's happening in the league right now. You, you never know. You, you Very well, Igor Chinakov could play um, in Edmonton just based off of things that happen. Um, but anyway, um, I do, I'm not quite annoyed by it yet, to use the word that you used uh, as far as him sitting in the press box. But I, I do think, you know, it's only five games. It's not the end of the world. Um, if it becomes three weeks or an entire month, and then it's like, okay, really, what are we doing here? This guy's got to play some hockey, but. Um, you know, if he's right on the cusp of the lineup and it's just kind of worked out that, that Brad Larson's like the way they played and it's really hard to take a guy out and we'll, we'll keep it going a couple more games just to see how it goes. You know, that doesn't tremendously bother me, but you do have to reach a point where again, when I named off who those scratches are, you know, it, it doesn't do any of those guys any good to be sitting. And so at some point you're going to have to make a decision as to what you want to do uh, with those players and, and how you want them to continue to develop. Um, and how you want to, you know, whether it be work them into the lineup or figure out a way for them to just play some games in Cleveland um, at some point. So, yeah, I mean, I, that is an issue. Um, it's one of those things that I have I have not been, you know, sitting here going, oh, my God, they got to get, you know, they've got to do something. But if you get a, too much further down the road here, then then you're doing what you said you weren't going to do. And then I think you have to reevaluate, OK, what, what's going on here? But you know, this is in a lot of ways, an evaluation season as well. I mean, you've brought in Gregory Hoffman and Justin Danforth to evaluate them. You've brought in um, some players from outside to evaluate them and see how they they fit into your lineup. And so it, it you've only got 12 spots, and you've got some guys in Cleveland. At some point, you're probably going to want to evaluate Kevin Stenlin a little bit more and, and Liam Foody a little bit more and maybe Tyler Engel at some point or Trey Fix-Wolanski. So there's, there's a lot of guys, a lot of depth there uh, that have made the decisions difficult. Um, but then it also kind of makes it really tough that you you can't let any of them go too far down the road without playing. And so um, and that's where I don't envy Brad Larson because, you know, and he's trying to win games for, hey, you get off to a good start and you want to keep winning games. You know, fans were engaged. Players were having fun. You can see yourself as a playoff team when you're 12-6-0 and um, at the start of the season. So, you know, you want to keep the train rolling a little bit. But, you know, at some point as we get further down the road, you are going to have to figure out exactly what the season is all about. And so um, that point's going to come. That's that's for darn sure. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm not at the throw the baby out with the bathwater yet, but it, you are going to, you know, if Igor Chinikov reaches a certain point, you're going to have to kind of figure something out here because you're right. It doesn't it doesn't do him any good sitting. And they've they've said that from from game one. So I don't think I'm saying anything no. um, untoward here. So, yeah, it's, no. it's interesting. It, it's, it is interesting because, you know, and Laura said, well, who do I take out? I mean, Justin Danforth has played well. Gregory Hoffman is, you know, his not quite produced as well as I think he's looked at times. So. You know, there's no easy decision out there, I guess. But, you know, that's why he gets paid the big bucks compared to me, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I, to me, it's like it, Chinikov's in a different world than he's he's in a different category than a Danforth, a Bemstrom, these guys. And I don't even care. I don't even categorize those guys necessarily in the same group. But Chinikov is a blue is one of your blue chip guys. 
and I, I'm I'm living with mistakes with him until the point where it looks like he's starting to get overwhelmed by them, and then he gets a couple of days break, and then he goes back in, and if he still feels like he's getting overwhelmed, then he should be in Cleveland. Um, but I yeah, and I, I get the whole border thing. I I, I asked uh, Lars about that the other day. Because you can't just send a guy to Cleveland right now. He's going to have to test. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. Um, but I, I think, it, you know, uh, we don't need to go through the roster and say he can go in for this guy, this guy, this guy. But I would not have him sitting like this. And I just go back to this thing. There's little things. Texier the other day, and I want to talk about him as our last topic for just a second. Texier the other day in a shootout. Uh, realizes as he l- tries to let his shot go that his stick is broken, right? And yeah. he says, from now on, I know to test it on the bench before the shootout. Now, that's just an example. I'm, I, I, I'm not extrapolating that. To everyone should now learn to do this. But that is, that is, those are the kind of things that this season should be about. That is a very important thing that Texier learned. And now, before every shootout, he's going to check his stick. And Chinikov and Sillinger and Bean and Boakfist and all of these young guys who comprise the future of this franchise, that's what these games are about. Those little things, those little moments. The looking at film today after the Vancouver game, and having been a part of that, if you're Chinikov and saying, all right, here's where I fucked up and here's where I could have done better. I could have fixed this. Uh, and he, n- now he comes away from that game. There's, no, there's nothing coming out of that game. There's no experience coming out of that game. And I just feel this just feels like wasted time to me. And this season cannot be wasted. It, does, it, it doesn't have to be about all to do everything you can to win every game. I Some people are saying, who do you think they're going to add at the trade deadline? And I'm like, really? That's not what this season is. Of course they're going to try to win games if they can. There's pride in that locker room, in the coaching staff, of course. But this is about getting guys ready. Chinikov needs to be playing. Uh, Svoboda, uh, Texier has been, this is an interesting thing for me because Texier has been really, really good. I think it's, uh, hilarious. I'm, I'm lumping myself into this too. If you remember two weeks into the season, maybe three weeks into the season, we're saying, what is his future? Get him out of here. Send him to the American Hockey League. Can he do it? He just hasn't grabbed it. Oh, boy, he's grabbed it. He's been arguably their best forward the last month. Um, and yet, they can't get him off the Robinson's Corral, Robinson Corrali line because he works there. It just works for some reason there. Um, Boats, talk to me about Alexander Texier, why that line works, and should that line stay together when Texier probably should be playing 18, 20 minutes a night? Yeah, this kind of ties in. You, you, you kind of said two things there that actually I think kind of go together because, you know, if you talk about getting him more playing time or, or moving him up because of the way he's played um, and the, the success that he's had this year, that's kind of the success story they're trying to follow with some of these other, you know, guys. They're getting more experience. And, you know, Igor Chinikov is now where Alexander Texier was a year or two ago. And, and the more he would play, the more he figures it out. So that down 
the road a year or two from now, he's where Alexander Texier is now. Um, and so I, t- I totally get what you're saying as far as that goes. And it is interesting because I think we all thought coming into this season that, you know, there was more talent on this Blue Jackets team than people around the league were giving them credit for. I mean, this was a team that was almost unanimously picked to finish last in the Metropolitan right. Division. And if you looked around and said, okay, you know, they've got a pretty good goalie, um, elite, well, two pretty good goalies, actually. Um, they've got, you know, some, you know, any team in the league would love to have a Zach Lorensky and a Patrick Line and even an Oliver Bjorkstrand and Jake Voracek, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's more talent here than people are probably giving them credit for. So if everything breaks right, you know, this will be a better team than people think. But also, if you looked at the roster, you said, you know, they've got questions at center, you know, and they've got an 18 year old that's played well there, but he's still 18. Defensively, I just named off four guys that are playing every night right now that have played fewer than uh, 100 NHL games. And so, you know, it's going to take this time, this team some time at the end of the day to kind of figure itself out. Um, there's going to be ups and downs. Even with the hot start, you knew that there was going to be struggle somewhere along the way. But that hot start did give you a thought of like, OK, we are winning games. You know, we have to try to keep winning games here because we are 12 and six uh, at one point in the season. And so um, I think, you know, not necessarily, you know, the team owes it to itself to try to win games every night. But I think whether it be us or the fans or whatever started thinking, like, oh, these guys are actually pretty good. And maybe you lose sight a little bit of the fact that, you know, this is still a team that is, you know, probably it's going to be it's a team that's going to be much better two to three years from now than it should be this year. Um, and yeah. if they're good this year, that's great. But as you said, this year should probably be about, you know, you're trying to win games, but you do need to evaluate. You do need to answer the questions um, and have young guys grow and things like that. And depending on how the record goes from here, uh, maybe, you know, it becomes very clear at some point that that's really where you have to go um, rather than trying to win every night. But be that as it may, um, I, I, like I say, I, I just think we, we all need to kind of remember that this is in fact a year, as you said, um, that, that you want to figure out what you've got in some of these guys going forward, or at least get them more experience so you can get closer to knowing what they're going to be. And, um, because it has worked with Alexander Texier and that's, and again, that's the way it's supposed to go. Uh, you come in and, and you take your lumps a little bit. And I mean, Alexander Texier went 40 some games at the end of last year without scoring a goal. And it wasn't very right. fun. Um, I don't think he particularly enjoyed it. And I think it was pretty clear John Tortorella didn't enjoy it, but he probably learned from that. And he probably became a better hockey player because of that. And at the end of the day, that's going to keep happening with some of these guys throughout the year. But it is great to see it happen with Tex. I mean, he is a guy that you looked at his track record overseas and you thought, you know, this is a guy, second round pick, played really well under the age of 20 in a pretty good league in Finland um, that you believe that down the road, uh, this is a, a, you know, a top six, top nine forward that can really be, you know, a difference maker for this team. And now he's, he's getting there and his future looks very bright. And so, and he's fun to watch and he's, you know, he kind of talks about playing with a smile on his face, but you can tell he's playing with a certain, um, a certain joy or a certain joie de vivre, you know, to use a French oh, term since he's, uh, nice. since he's from, yeah. yeah, since he's, since he's from Grenoble, throw something out there like that. Um, but yeah, so he's kind of one of those guys that's figured it out and there's going to be more of those. Uh, one of those moments I think is this year goes on and even into next year. So, um, yeah, it, it's weird that I'm the one sitting here saying that, like, I'm not offended yet by Chinikov not playing, but this is still a season where you have to figure it out, um, what right. you've got. And so, but I think they're figuring out what they have with Justin Danforth right now and Gregory Hoffman. And, you know, even those guys are older, are they guys that get, that get signed for years down the road that are going to be part of this next good team, even though they're going to be kind of on the back end of their careers. And so, um, it, you know, it, it kind of is what it is to to use a term that doesn't necessarily really mean anything, but um, you know, it, 
they're they're figuring it out as they go, I think. And um, as the season goes on, and as we get through these next whatever games, and you know, we're a third of the way through the season, you get past the halfway pole, um, you get closer to whether we are, it's going to be an Olympic break or whatever break it's going to be. You know, what's your record? What's your your chances of doing something? And how do you evaluate and use this time from there? Um, and I think you know the answer will become clear as you go, and then then your uh, your decisions will become a lot easier uh, as we get to that point. I'm of a mind that Cole Sillinger should be with Team Canada with the World Juniors, but that's a whole different topic. I'm pushing everything, <laughs> I'm pushing everything to the middle of the table uh, for the future. One more bit of news before we depart: uh, Patrick Line rejoined the club in Vancouver, practiced with the club, which was a really good sign. Um, I think it's going to be a little while before he's up to speed. It's been six weeks. He's been out of the lineup. Uh, he's, of course, pushed through some family issues as well. The, the passing of his father. Uh, again, condolences to his family on that front. Um, I think that's about it for us. Jeff Svoboda, thanks for joining us. Anything else to add? Uh, that is all. Always a pleasure, Porty. Enjoy your uh, night in, in beautiful, balmy Edmonton, and I'll see you at the rink tomorrow morning. Yeah, I'm not leaving the hotel from here. I'll tell Hell you that right now. no. No. <laughs> Not happening. All right. Thanks, Boots. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you.